Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host, Scotty McCoy, and boy, do I have a surprise for all of you. I have on Zoom with me right now Clayton Landy, and he played Lorenzo in A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Hey, Clayton, how are you doing today? Hey, Scotty, doing great. Thanks. I, I appreciate uh, you getting in touch with me. It's terrific. Absolutely. I'm glad that we can make this happen. I'm, if I'm remembering things correctly, Greg Gilbert is the one that uh, put us in touch originally. Uh, yeah, I did a show with Greg. Right. Yes. Right, right. Absolutely. And I do have a question later on that he wanted me to ask you, and I can't wait. Oh, to see okay. Response well, we talked for a long time. I'm surprised you didn't get it out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I had a couple interviews with Greg in the past, and uh, he's a great guy. And uh, my, I don't think I had an interview that was less than t- two hours long. Yeah, we went. Yeah, I think we went an hour and a half. <laughs> yep. Yep. He's a Just good guy. He's a good breeze, guy. You know? Yep. Absolutely. I spoke to him this morning. He's a good, good person. Good person. So yeah, the pleasure. first question I got for you, how did you get your start into acting? Uh, I, I'm not sure how interesting that would be to other people. I've been doing pretty much been doing acting all my life. I, I think it found me. I didn't find it. I did it in school. I did it for fun. In, in high school, I didn't have to go home and do homework. And there were girls. So that was a great place to start, you know. And then actually, um, I was playing ball. I was the goalie for the University of Houston soccer team in the late 60s, early 70s. I had a bad year. Uh, I needed to get my grades back up. One of the football players said, go take this dance class. If you show up for every class, you get a B. And if you do anything in a show, you pull the curtains, anything, at the end of the semester, you get an A. I said, yeah, I I can do that, you know. And and the funny thing is, uh, seven years as a goalie, I'd never had a shutout. And after taking her dance class, I had seven shutouts because my legs were so much stronger. Um, And for the final, for the show, I was, this is, you're talking about 1972, so my hair was down to here, um, even though I was playing ball. I had a couple of hippie chicks dance around me. I plugged a microphone into a record player, and I sang lead over Shana Nas, Remember Then. Nice. And, and it knocked her out, and it, the, the teacher was actually Patsy Swayze, Patrick Swayze's mom. Okay. And she had choreographed Urban Cowboy, and she said, you got to be in the drama department. And so she set up the audition. She set up the rehearsals for me and everything. And I just followed my nose from there. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. So did you audition for the role of Lorenzo? And if so, what was that experience like? All right. Okay. Inside story. (laughs) It's actually not a lot. It's funny to tell this to the world because not a lot of people know. At the time, um, my brother-in-law was Rob Bob Shea, who... Created New Line Cinema. Mm-hmm. That was Bob. That was Bob's company, and the casting director, Annette Benson, had cast me in uh, another picture, and and she thought uh, this role would be terrific for me, and she asked me to come in on an audition. But she said, "Don't tell him that you're Bob's brother-in-law. If he thinks you have anything to do with the family, he won't hire you." So, <laughs> I so I went in. I went in cold and and auditioned. Um, for all of a sudden, I just his name just went out of my head as I was saying it. Um, Chuck, uh, Charles Russell, Chuck okay. Russell, and uh, and it was different then than now. Now we do all our auditions online, we're doing right. submitting videotaped auditions. In those days, it was a great joy to audition because you got in a room with people. If you came out of theater, which I did, doing your work in front of other people was the whole job, 
Nice. So, and you could feel, if you're used to feeling the energy of an audience, you could feel where you're going in the room and work the room. And if it felt a little different, you could ask the director for an adjustment and you could go somewhere. And Chuck was very, very easy to work with. That's awesome. And, um, and I was able to give a spin on it that just felt right. And he liked it. And, and he gave me, I really liked working with Chuck a lot. He gave me room to do the things that I thought I wanted to do. And he, everything I came up with, he never sent me in another direction once we were in the film. Everything I came up with, he just encouraged me to do. I remember one scene standing off camera, getting ready to enter where I'm coming down the hall to her room. And, and, and a song just started in my head and was like perfect for the moment. So I started bopping in, singing the song and Chuck encouraged it. It was great because it was a life there, you know? Yeah. And, and consequently, I then did probably the thing that I've been seen in more than certainly more than anything else. And probably you add the rest together. Um, I then I after that, I did the blob with Chuck. He, he just asked me to come in for that one. And then and he put me in a racer. Also, we just um, we just hit a good level of working together. It was just very comfortable, very easy. And I remember. I remember I'm actually saying uh, on the blob, there were two roles uh, that he wanted me to, to come in and, and read for. Mm-hmm. I remember him turning to one of the other producers and just saying, don't worry about it. Clayton's going to give you something. Every time you bring him in the room, they'll give you something. It was just, it was a joy to work with someone like that. That's awesome. So what about Robert England? What was it like working with him? Well, I didn't actually work with Robert in the film. You know, mm-hmm. all my stuff was with yep. the kids and with, with, with then Larry Fishburne, now Lawrence Fishburne. Yep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> as his stature went up, his name got longer, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, but I know, uh, I don't have a huge relationship with him. I know Robert personally. Mm-hmm. But my, my ex-wife was Lynn Shea, Bob's sister. Okay. Lynn is now the godmother of horror. Right. The Insidious <laughs> and all of those films. Yeah. Uh, just she's a brilliant actor she's a brilliant yeah absolutely and she was uh i think she was friends with robert from their days in theater in new york okay and so uh on set it was an easygoing relationship and i never actually had the joy of working with him yeah i know she's worked with him now a number of times right absolutely so i don't know if you got asked this question a lot before or at all um because you obviously did survive the wrath of Freddy Krueger. So if you were to be the one to pin your own death for the film, what would it be? I've never been asked that question. <laughs> I, 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 and, and the funny thing is, I actually, I was asked, you know, I did uh, recently, last year, uh, I had a great time doing a picture called Bingo Hell. Mm-hmm. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Yeah. with Adriana Barraza, Scotty Caldwell. Yeah. Probably the best role I've had in the film. Okay. Uh, I, I finally I'm in a horror film and I live, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and and doing the uh, electronic, the, the package, the advertising package, the PR package. I was asked, why did you why did you decide to do this film? Well, first of all, my one of my co-stars said it much better. He said they asked me to audition. <laughs> so I auditioned, <laughs> you know, I need a job. Um, yeah. But for me, it was great because. The senior citizens of the heroes. And I've been in this business long enough. This is my 50th year in the business. Okay. So I've been around for a minute. So to, to live long enough to actually be the hero is a, is a huge change for me. Yeah. I end up with the girl. That's a huge plus for me. And I live. That's a huge plus for me. I've been shot in the ball, shot in the butt, speared in the chest, quite cool, 
spray painted to death in Mike Hammer, sucked down the drain in the blob, uh, had a, a, a pentagram carved in my chest and uh, hung and crucified all at the same time under the bridge, under the 4th Street Bridge in L.A. for first power. I mean, there's not too many more, more ways I could die. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, did I get stabbed? Well, I've been speared. I don't think I've been stabbed. Um, fell off the horse, hit over the head with a frying pan. I mean, there's, I, I couldn't pen a better. Once you've been sucked down the drain by the blob, that's pretty much maxing it out. Pretty much. There, there's a couple of, uh, I know of one website, maybe two, where I'm the number 12 death of all time in nice. film. Nice. For getting sucked down the drain. That's I mean, awesome. you know, it's a hell of a legacy, but hey, it's a legacy. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, when you start out as a kid trying to get into business, mm-hmm. then you just want to work tomorrow. You know, yep. you just yep. want to work tomorrow. And yep. I've been fortunate enough. I said, you know, I, I've done over 400 gigs in 50 years. It's yeah. astounding to me. When I hear the words come out of my mouth, my heart does a little jump. I can't quite believe it. <laughs> because really, I, I can think of so yeah. many times it's like, Am I going to pay the rent this month? Right. You know, when you're and, starting out. And a lot of people don't realize that. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm a big fan of, you know, 80s horror and 70s horror. Mm-hmm. And I love I would love to be in a Halloween movie and a Nightmare on Elm Street and a Friday the 13th movie. Um, to me, it wouldn't be a job. I'd do it for free. But well, a lot of people don't realize the, the people that are in it are doing it for a paycheck because it is their job. You know, that's the thing. That's the thing that's astounding to me. And, and I've now done just a couple of uh, fan conventions. You know, I'm not big on the list uh, of you because I'm the working actor. I'm the guy in the middle. I'm, uh, they consider me a journeyman actor, which, you know, thank you. I'm, I'm thrilled to be a journeyman actor. Yeah. I made a living my whole life doing this, yeah. which still astounds me. Yeah. But at the time, and, I've, and again, I've been fortunate. I, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Blob. I've done a ton of the sci-fi, Star Trek, Next Generation and, and um, uh, uh, Sliders and, and I've done Bingo Hell and The Blob. I, you know, I've done at least half a dozen sci-fis and horror films. Right. All of which at the time were, thank God I got a gig. Yeah. yeah. All of which at the time moved me from paying rent to paying mortgage. Yeah. Helped put my kid through school. Yeah. And it was every opportunity I've had to perform has been another opportunity for joy. Right. It allows me to do the thing I love doing and somebody's paying me to do it. The yeah. joy of creating this character, this human being. Right. So it's now what are we with 35 years removed from Nightmare on Elm yeah. Street 3? About that. Years. Jesus. Yeah. And and in some people's minds, when I'm on the conventions, these are iconic moments for them. Yeah. When you're doing it, it's not iconic. It's a gig. Right. Yeah. And if you're fortunate, as I have been, as, for instance, on Nightmare to work with Chuck Russell, to work with Larry Fishburne, mm-hmm. to work with those kids who, kids, they're, you know, they're in their 50s. <laughs> um, Jennifer Rubin, I, I worked with in that. Yeah. And I, I, Hayden. Uh, uh, Ken Sagos. Ken Sagos and I actually 
Go back awesome. to the world of City Mar- Sid Marty Croft in the seventies in Atlanta. Awesome! I interviewed him actually. Great guy, and I asked him Great a question guy. he didn't have that he never got asked before, and he was very honored to have that because he said it's not often that you get asked a question that you don't get that you don't right. get asked a million times. And in fact, Ken was also in that class with Brando. Nice. So you, you know, yep. these are now thirty five years later mm-hmm. iconic moments. Yeah, not iconic at the time. If you're lucky, you're working with terrific people and you're having a good time doing it. And every one of these projects I just mentioned were all great times. They were all good people. The work was a pleasure to do. Nobody was nobody treated us bad. It was really all terrific things. That's awesome. All very, very positive memories. That's awesome. So as you mentioned about, you know, this being because you're a working actor, what do you believe is the hardest part about being a working actor? Learning your craft is essential. Mm-hmm. So many people, especially now with a plethora of reality TV and so many streams and so many places, so many people want to be famous, but they don't know why. They just want right. to be famous. Right. In this business, I mean, the people I love and respect are people who take themselves seriously, but not too seriously. (laughs) Not not, not the assholes. Let's not go there. But people who care about the work, who care about storytelling, good storytelling is at the heart of it. So the hardest thing is really to find the commitment to the craft, to actually learn your job. Right. Learn how to do what you do in a consistent and successful manner. Successful meaning you got there, not you made a lot of money, your name went up on a marquee. It means that you actually created a human pe- being mm-hmm. who's living in this moment in the story and people believed you. You believe right. you're not thinking about what you do next. You're actually in that moment living. And that's yeah. really I, I teach a couple of classes. I've been teaching okay. for over 10 years now because people really kept coming to me and asking me to do it. You know, mm-hmm. when I first came back to Atlanta, it was like, you know, people really need what you have. Well, yeah. they can't have what I have. It's mine. Well, maybe I can help them find what they have. Right. And, and that's really the heart of what we do. Mm-hmm. How do I access what I have to bring forward into this human being? Yeah. That is no easy task. Yeah. Absolutely. So if you could give advice to somebody trying to find what they have or to learn the craft of acting, what would that advice be? Work hard. Mm -hmm. Follow your intuition, follow your impulses, follow your heart. The right teachers present themselves to you at the right time for you. Mm -hmm. Pay attention. Right. Because, you know, everybody's, oh, look how lucky he is. Well, you know what luck is? Luck is having done your homework. So you're prepared to take advantage of having put yourself in the right place at the right time. Do your homework. Listen to your heart. I've said no to studying with teachers. And I said yes to studying with teachers. Mm -hmm. And I've been fortunate to study with some of the very best. And they brought out of me what there was to find. And so that's my, yeah, that's what I would tell any young actor. The ones that you feel you have that you're on that same wavelength with you feel that you know this is the right person and you know this one's giving you a line of bullshit if someone tells you they have all the answers they haven't been listening to the questions yeah absolutely absolutely so what was the environment and atmosphere like on the set of a nightmare on elm street three very productive very productive 
never felt like we were wasting time, never felt like we were waiting for something to happen that doesn't need to happen. You know, that's the worst part of being on a set is when people don't know the most efficient way to do their job well. And so you end up sitting in a trailer and we didn't have trailers on Nightmare. We were now trying to remember we were either in, I think we were in an abandoned hospital. Okay. And they recreated the rooms on that set. And I remember hanging out in one of the hospital rooms with Larry and just swapping stories. And, and, and I learned a lot from him. I, I had great uh, stories from um, Apocalypse Now, which was his first film. He had great, great stories. Right. So the atmosphere was, if I could use the word collegial, mm-hmm. you know, we, we were all there to do our jobs. Nobody was a jerk off. Yeah. And, and Chuck, uh, Chuck ran a good set. And he had new he had new line crews and the new line crews in the eighties, man, they were awesome. Yeah, they awesome. were really. Bob got the cream of the crop of the young kids coming up, mm-hmm. and put together great. All the nightmare crews were tremendous. Right. Um, you know, Rachel Towerle, um, mm-hmm. who's a magnificent director now, started as a PA with Bob mm-hmm. and worked her way up till she was directing Nightmare. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, he just. He had a great idea, a great eye for uh, below the line talent. Yeah. And so that said, I'm not going to say it was clockwork, but I am going to, it was an efficient set that worked mm-hmm. really well. We had time to hang out and get to know each other, but not time to waste. We were there to yeah. do a job and we were fortunate enough to have solid people like he assembled to do, to work with. Absolutely. And if it wasn't for a nightmare on Elm Street, New Line Cinema might not be what it is today. 100%. One hundred percent. Yeah. You know, there's like three high watermarks. Two of them are Wes Craven high watermarks. Wes created this and brought it to Bob and they became great friends. Yeah. And and this was the right thing at the right time and really jumped New Line to the forefront. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, the Tolkien trilogy. Bob was the one who told him it has to be three films, not two. And he was and Bob, Bob was his last meeting before going to the airport. He was on the way to the airport, having been turned down by every studio in L.A. And Bob said, yes. Yeah, you took a chance on it. And boy, did it pay off. Absolutely. You think? (laughs) You think, right? I mean, 35 years later, we're we're still talking about it. Right. Absolutely. And and that's not a short amount of time at all. Um, No. And and the Nightmare series, I think, is really involving because Wes, and when you meet Wes, and I, I spent a good deal of my, my wife and I became friends with his wife, he and his wife. You spend a lot of time with Wes, you go, this is the guy that created Nightmare on Elm Street? This is the sweetest human being I ever met. I don't, yeah. I don't understand where that came from. Yeah, but man. he tapped into our unconscious. He mm-hmm. tapped into the zeitgeist of the moment. And yeah. he brought it forward, man. I mean, yeah. Freddy truly is your worst nightmare. Yeah. You know? Yep. And it's it's funny because Wes created two of the most successful franchises in, uh, you know, out there. And that's a Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream. And Scream. Like, yeah. Like, how, like that's a genius. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. And it's and it really is someone who tunnels deeper. He's yeah, not yeah. somebody who sits down to write something that will be commercially successful. He yep. he writes. And, and listen, we understand that you and I are talking about a genre that is very appealing to a large group of people who yeah. really buy in and completely unappealing to the larger 
yep. scope of people. Yeah. But the people who buy in buy in 100 percent. Yep. And when Wes writes, he's coming from that 100 percent place. Yep. Absolutely. It's not what can I sell that's going to make money. He's right. following a thought, an idea, a storyline that yep. resonates. Absolutely. I, I, I And Freddie really terrified me. Like I had I had a nightmare about him. I would say maybe. 10 years ago or so um, where I w- where it was like a baseball game going on and Freddy Krueger was the pitcher and he had, oh, God. Oh, and I was, oh. and I was the ball. I was, the oh, oh my God. Hey, and, write that movie, man. Know, write right? that movie. Yeah. And he, he threw the ball and then Freddie now is the batter and he screams in his Freddie voice as Robert England can do batters up. And he killed me by hitting a home run. Scotty. Get in touch with somebody. You got an idea and a half there, man. I know, right? That's that's, that's fantastic. I love yeah, that. That, that, that was is great. Freaky stream. I woke up. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and they well, say, I, I got to tell you, you, wake up. <laughs> I, I got it. Lynn was in the uh, in the first nightmare. Lynn Shay. Yep. And um and, and as I said, we were friends with Annette Benson who cast that. Mm-hmm. She's the one who put Johnny Depp in that picture. Yeah. Uh, she's the one who found Nicolas Cage doing theater in a waiver theater in the Valley. Actually found him in the Valley for the Valley Group. Um, <laughs> I had a hard time watching the movie. It scared me, man. It was, I'm doing I was doing one of those looking through yeah. the fingers. You know, yeah. what can I actually look at here? That's not going to keep me up tonight. Yeah. And, you know, we went to the premiere and it's like, I, I want to be able to eat after this. I don't know if we're going to have a stomach for it, man. Yep. Scared. Can I say this? It's just scared yeah. the shit out of me. Scared yeah. the shit out of me. It really was. And, and it's and like and it, and with like Friday the Thirteenth scares you about being in the woods. Halloween right. scares scares you on a totally different level because that's real life shit that happened right. there. You know, people stalking you, watching your every move, and then right. they kill you. That's scary. And that's then, a course, level of horror that stays with you, that keeps yes. you up at night, that unsettles yes. you and stays with you for days. Yep. And then Nightmare on Elm Street gets you because everybody has to go to bed and everybody has nightmares and dreams. And everybody can have that moment of being afraid to go to sleep. Yes. What's going to happen to me when I go to sleep? I mean, that's brilliant storytelling. That really is. That's terrific, terrific storytelling. Absolutely. So Greg wanted me to ask you a question. Uh, he said that uh, and he, he he said you at, you had told him the story and he wouldn't tell me it. So I don't know the, the story, but All he right. said you had an extraordinary experience when filming Scary Movie 5. You care to elaborate? Ah, he's a son of a bitch. <laughs> he's a son of a bitch. <laughs> um, and it's funny. I just uh, someone just reached out to me to ask me if that was really me. Um, because I don't usually, uh, Facebook, I'm on Facebook a lot, rarely on Instagram, but sometimes I post stuff there that people might want to know about. (laughs) But I, on Facebook, if I don't know you, I don't friend you. I don't accept the friend uh, thing. But this one woman asked specifically about Scary Five, so I I went with it. (sighs) (laughs) You know what he's talking about? Do I have to go there? I don't actually. All right. Scary Five. Um, I know the casting director and he asked me to come in and read for a, a decent role in the film. And, and I, and I hit it pretty good. I, I, I felt good about the audition when I left, but I didn't get the job. Mm-hmm. And a couple of days later, my agent says, I don't know if you want to do this, <laughs> but George asked if you'd do it. So there's a scene where the planet of the apes come running over and 
I'm I'm the cop that the ape bends over the hood of the car and takes from behind. So I didn't get out. That's not that one's not on my resume. (laughs) (laughs) So was it really you or was that a stunt? Yeah, no, it was me. It was me. I took a day's work. I, you know, (laughs) I don't want to eat lunch that day. It was, you know, it's another film. Let's go. Listen, I I have I have said no on any number of on a number of occasions. Mm -hmm. But for me to say no, there has to be a reason to say no. If you're asking me, I just did another picture. In fact, on the way home from Bingo Hell, I was driving home and I got asked by the same casting director to do a day on a film because he needed somebody quick. And it was like, Mm -hmm. great, I'm on my way home. I'm going to get a day's pay. They're going to put me up. I'm going to eat. It's fun. I'm going to get to have fun with actors who count. So I did this picture with Josh Duhamel. I did this one scene with him. And and it's, if it's fun, Mm -hmm. I'm going to show up. If I like the story or I like the director or I like the actors I'll be working with or all right, right now, I hate to say it out loud. I haven't worked in a while. Okay. So if something came up that wasn't offensive to me, but it's not on the level of stuff I want to do, I would probably do it just to have the opportunity to get in front of the lens, do the thing I do and make sure for me, I still do it at the level I want to do it. Yeah. And I mean, we are in a pandemic right now as well. You know, it is affecting, you know, some productions to even to this day. Oh, listen, our industry stopped dead, Mm -hmm. stopped dead when the pandemic hit. And thankfully, I don't know if you know this, uh, I'm uh, I'm very involved in the union. I was just past president of our local here in in Atlanta. I'm the current first vice president. I've been doing union service for over a dozen years. Uh, It's I've received so much. I got to get back. Um, Our union. Uh, in uh, hand in hand with DGA, IATSE, WGA, put together the protocols that allowed us to come back and work in mm-hmm. a safe environment. When I did Bingo Hell, for instance, I mean that was pandemic. That was uh, March was a year ago. Okay. So we would we were deep in it, mm-hmm. and you're with a cast five senior citizens, and when you get when you get in our age range, two of us uh, had. Um, health challenges that mm-hmm. could be compromised severely by COVID-19. Yeah. And so the protocols on that set were very strict. Yeah. I mean, the use of masks, the disinfectant, the separating people into three, uh, group A, group B, and group C, and only two, they could, you could only connect with two, but not three. So there could be contact tracing and we could provide safety for the people who had to be maskless yeah. at certain times. And there was, man, as soon as we finished the scene, that COVID director was right there saying, put the mask on. And sometimes it was like, but I'm still, all right. You have to respect that what he's doing is for the safety of all the actors, for all the crew and craft mm-hmm. people involved. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because of those union guidelines that we were able to go back to work yeah. and create entertainment, which let's face it, when in times of trouble, COVID-19 you weren't at home reading a book 24 hours a day. You were right. watching TV and film yep. and listening to music. And that's all artists created stuff. Yeah. So that our unions were able to create a safe situation for us yep. to come back and provide the entertainment that the rest mm-hmm. of the world relies on, I think is significant. 
Absolutely. And I mean, to this day, I work from home because of the pandemic. I don't go to the office. I'm working from right. home. So, right. I mean, I, I don't have the luxury to just, you know, go out and get something for on my lunch break and go, like, what do I do? I put, I, I'll watch TV or, you know, I'll do something or I'll have background noise on when I'm working. Like, you know, it's just things that you need to do, like to keep yourself occupied because Fine. when I was at work at the office, I would listen to podcasts while I'm doing my job. Well, you know? we don't have that choice. Yeah. You know, I audition at home. I put it on tape and I send it yeah. off or like this. We're in a Zoom. Yeah. I've done callback. In fact, I did the callback for uh, Bingo Hell via Zoom. Yeah. You know, so yeah. we're doing that from the home. But when we work, yeah. it's a very personal business, man. Yeah. And without actors like yourself providing entertainment for the people that are working from home, People are depressed because they can't go out, really go out of their house, especially when it first started. I know I was one of them. I was so depressed. I couldn't see my family. I couldn't see my significant other. I couldn't see anybody because I was I was stuck in my own apartment, you know, and I'm working and I'm not seeing it. And I'm used I was it was like literally one day I'm at the office, you know, talking to all my friends with my coworkers and all that. And the next thing you know, out of right out of the blue, it's ripped away from me and I'm now around nobody at all. Like, you know, my dad was battling brain cancer. He passed away last August, but he was battling brain cancer. And I couldn't even see my dad for months on end because I usually went home on weekends to visit them three hour drives. And I couldn't do that because my dad's now immune system is compromised. I'm so sorry. That's so it's it's rough. It it was rough. And I mean, my dad, he he passed away last August. And uh, I mean, he's no longer suffering, which I'm grateful for. Um, But it it was just, you know, those were months that I lost without him. And a lot of people were in the same boat and without working actors like yourself, you know, I mean, we don't have the entertainment that we need to get us through it. And it's not even if you work from home, it's the fact that you're at home 24 seven, basically. So now, you know, you have actors making movies and shows and you get to watch these shows all day long and these movies all day long because not everybody's going to pick up a book and read a book 24 7 it's just not going to happen right right. it really isn't so the last question i do got for you do you have anything at all that you would like to promote at all social media anything at all uh do i have anything to promote um i do have a a a cd that's available on amazon or all the streamings uh called clayton and the five classics if you're into doo-wop i i uh uh with um uh, one of the one of the uh, studios here in town asked me to come in and do a lead on an old Dion song that I loved, and we had so awesome. much fun. Uh, we <laughs> created a whole uh, a CD of do up five of the classics, so that's there. Uh, oh, I meant to look up um, in August. Shoot, then somebody's going to hate me for this. I don't remember the name. I'm doing a convention. I'm doing a con in West Virginia. Okay. Um, and is it a pop and horror con? I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think that's it. Um, Saved you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate You're that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and of course, I, I really am a fan of this last film that I did, Bingo Hell on Amazon nice. Prime. I'm going to take it, check it out. You got Academy Award nominee Adriana Barraza, who's awesome. leading the group. She's the hero. And, and I'll tell you what, I'm, I, I'm proud of being in that film for a number of reasons, but not least of which is that it's a Bloomhouse film. Okay. And Bloomhouse doesn't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. Yeah. You know, we're talking about over the last, and, and forget COVID for the moment, but over the last five years, uh, mm-hmm. and I'd hate to categorize it as such, but the woke movement, mm-hmm. we've become fortunately yeah. finally aware that there are other people's stories that we should be listening to and paying attention yeah. to. 
And so we're directed by uh, a young Latina who co-wrote the script, Gigi Sal Guerrero. So the hero is patterned after her grandmother. Uh, I'm the only old white guy in this one. You, you know, <laughs> the five heroes are uh, her grandmother, a slightly younger Latina, who, mm -hmm. who I end up with, uh, <laughs> an African-American male my age is my best friend and an African-American uh, female. Nice. L. Scott Cordwell, who won a Tony. Nice. Nice. You know, yeah. and I'm the only old white guy. This is the neighborhood, and it's very <laughs> much about the family that you mm -hmm. choose, not the one yeah. you're born into. So yeah. we earn the horror. Nice. You know, you care about these people because they yeah. care about each other. And, and I credit Blumhouse with that very strongly. I, I, it's so wonderful of them to get it. Yeah. We're seeing other people's stories from other points of view. Absolutely. And I think it makes it a much richer film as a result. And now that I know that Bloomhouse did that, I'm de I definitely really want to check it out just because like Bloomhouse, like they've been pretty powerful lately. Like, you know, the Halloween trilogy that's coming out with Halloween ends this year. And, you know, they've had a lot of really good, decent films coming out. And I mean, I'm sure if they did this one, I'm, I'm you know, bingo hell. Listen, I don't I, I'm sure it's going to be it's going to be one of those higher budget, you know, decent movies. They have really and very well filled the niche. Yeah. You know, there was this hole. There mm -hmm. was high budget films and the big franchises yep. and low budget indies and, mm -hmm. and forgive me, but schlock horror. Yeah. You know, it, it, it stories that was like, well, you are, you're going, why are you going there? You know, you're going to die. Stop <laughs> going there. Yeah. You know, and they came along and they said, you know, there's really an audience mm -hmm. for well-made horror films. Absolutely for stories that are well told, for yeah. characters you're going to care about, mm -hmm. for things that, yes, it's horror, or yes, it's sci-fi based horror, mm -hmm. but so so there is a certain level of, uh, of uh, I have yeah. to buy into this. But if you accept the premise, everything else lines up and makes sense. Absolutely. And there's a story being told that you want to follow. Absolutely. So I, I really appreciate that I've had the opportunity to work with a company like that. Absolutely. So everybody watching this, check out Bingo Hell. And if uh, you're watching this interview, say a year from now, and you want to see what Clayton's been up to, check out his IMDb. And I'm sure that'll be updated as projects, you know, come out. And I do have a web page. Uh, awesome. uh, I have my website, uh, ClaytonLandy.com. Awesome. Sounds like a plan. You can so see the whole, there's the bio and the whole scope of the career. Awesome. All that stuff is there. Links awesome. to my reels and mm -hmm. what's newest in the CD and stuff like that. Absolutely. So everybody check out ClaytonLandy.com. Of course, check Scotty, out. It's been a Hell. pleasure, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you for coming on. And I'm glad that we got to have this conversation and we got to, you know, talk a little bit about Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street, which is a lot of fun. And of course, that scary movie thing. I'm going to see if Greg's not <laughs> at work right now. Give him a call. Let him know your reaction. What's the blob? What's the blob, man? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, thank, thank you, Scotty. So it's, been, it's been a real treat for me to talk with you. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. You have a great rest of your day. You too. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.